0: Well, we finish our, our series, Unshakable today, and um, we're going to talk about how Daniel um, is able to get through the challenges of life. And uh, each week over the last several weeks, we've been talking about um, how Daniel has faced a, a challenge that was perplexing in his life, about how his connection with God made it possible for him to get through that, how God had given him strength, God had performed miracles, and God was teaching and leading him through all of those life crises, and today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, uh, about prayer. Uh, let me just kind of make a confession. They say confession is good for the soul, right? And if I can make a confession immo- amongst all of my friends, uh, it doesn't hurt as bad. But growing up, I wasn't really a church guy. Um, I don't know about you, uh, maybe you were like me, that you you kind of went to church because your parents made you, um, and then all of a sudden, maybe your parents weren't able to go because of work schedules or other things, so I wasn't a church guy. In fact, I would only darken the doors of the church when I knew it was Krispy Kreme Sunday, and that was when I'd go because, you know, hey, you gotta get a couple of those warm Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, my, my freshman year of high school, Um, I found myself uh, getting back connected to a church. I had a a, a girl that I kind of had a crush on and and, um, it was was before Patty, um, but I had a crush on her and and I heard she had gone to this one church and I actually had a bus that would come and pick you up in front of the house. So um, I decided, well, you know, hey, I'm gonna go to church. And so I climbed on the bus, it took me to this church and I got inside and I hadn't been in church in a long time, I wasn't a church guy and I made the first mistake you can ever make in church. You know what that is? I sat in the front row. That's how everybody knew I wasn't a church guy because you know, as well as I do, that if you go to church and you're regular, you sit in the back, you don't sit in the front. And we kinda toy a little bit in our worship planning and we get these ideas about how maybe one Sunday we're gonna do church from the back. And that way, y'all will be up in the, in the front row. So, so I walked in, I sat down, and everybody's eyes are on me because I'm this new guy that they've ever seen, and he's sitting in the front row, you know? And, and there was this lady that was sitting next to me, and the pastor begins talking about how we need to um, love our neighbor and that we need to pray with our neighbor, and, and we need to kind of just conjoin with that and, and take time and, and pray with your neighbor, the pastor said. And I'm thinking like, My neighbor doesn't go to this church. In fact, this is my first visit. I mean, am I supposed to, this was before cell phones, am I supposed to go outside and call him on a pay phone and tell him to come to church because the pastor says I'm supposed to pray with my neighbor. And uh, so I didn't know what that meant. Then the pastor said, your neighbor is the person who's sitting next to you. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, there was this lady who was sitting next to me. I didn't know who she was, and, and, and uh, she was kind of this wild-looking, you know, crazy Christian lady. And I thought, wow, well, okay, I'm supposed to pray with her, but, but what am I supposed to pray about? I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know you are supposed to pray out loud. And the first thought that came to my mind was, Lord, you know, please find a way to remove all these bad bumps on this lady's face. Uh, but, but I knew that wasn't what I was supposed to pray about. So then all of a sudden, the pastor said, well, begin the prayers, And so she grabbed my hands. And let me tell you what, my life was changed in that moment. You know, this was back in the 70s. So she had that big hair. And she's like, woo! And her hair is moving all around, and, and she's holding my hands, and, and she starts, you know, praying this really powerful prayer, dear Lord, dear Jesus, you know, bless this young man. And, and it says in Matthew's gospel, chapter six, and word number six hundred and twenty-eight on page 1248, Lord, that, that you are you are to be kind and, and 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 excellent, and K is for a kingdom. And she's praying this prayer over me. I'm going like, holy moly! And then it was time, you know. And then she starts barking out, you know, you are Alpha, you are Jehovah Jireh, you are Jehovah Rapha. And I'm thinking, like, man, she even knows God's nicknames. She's really a church lady. And uh, so I, I kind of got to the point. I thought, man, I'm, you know. And I was competitive back then. I'm not as competitive anymore. <laughs> And, uh, but I was really competitive back then. And, and so I, I thought, I'm not going to be outdone by this. So I hold her hands. And, and so I, I, I'm just going like, you know, God, I don't have this big church vocabulary. But so I started to pray. I said, I said you know, uh, dear God, God, first of all, you were good. You were so good, Lord. You were so good that you're good to the last drop, Lord. <laughs> and I said, because, Lord, I, I, I just got to obey my thirst today. And I said, Lord, because choosy moms, they choose Jesus. And I kept on praying, and I said, so as, as the rocket's red glare, bombs bursting in air, Lord, I believe I can fly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> wow, that was church. <laughs> so, so thank goodness that's not how Daniel prayed, right? I mean, we have been looking at how Daniel has lived his life and the the ways in which he's prayed. And and so I want to kind of refocus for a second. And I want to kind of get out of my life and my funny experiences and all those things. And I want us to to focus it on down. And, And let me help you understand today how Daniel prayed. How is it that Daniel was so successful in his life? How was it that he got by and through all the things that were there? And how was he able to stay humble and committed before God? Here's the first thing that we, we understand when it comes to praying like Daniel. We need to let God speak to us or let God speak to me before I speak to God. So let God speak to me. Let God speak to you. We need to let God speak to us before we speak back to God. Now, this is really hard, isn't it? Because most of us, we, uh, we, we, have, a, um, we have a listening problem. Let's just throw that out there. We, we don't like to listen. Have you ever talked to the person while you're trying to tell them something? You can tell that they're, they're not listening, but they're ready to like, give you an answer to what it is that you, you're, you're talking about. And, you know, we don't listen very well. And the only way that we're going to really be in tune with, with our faith journey is if we listen to God. So it's not about how we pray or the amount of words that we pray or the length and the things that we choose, it's more about listening. Now now let me give a, a, a quick piece here. Um, we're still working on this in our marriage and, and I say that because I think we always are supposed to work on things in our marriages. You know, husbands, I'm gonna say this because I'm a guy so I can say this, husbands, we need to make sure that we're listening to our wives. And we need to make sure that, what was that? Who said that? Holy mackerel. Wow. I think we'll just close it up now. <laughs> I did not pay for that comment, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, there, there's, there's a problem here, and, and let's get back to… <laughs> let's get back to the Scripture. So, so, so anyway, um, uh, I'll get back to that in a second. So, so they knew there was a problem. Daniel realized that there's a big issue here. He looked around and he said, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of excitement. But one thing that we find out is, is that, that Daniel is now 89 years old. It, he's been in captivity for, um, you know, 74 years. It, it's been over 70 years he's been there. And, and he's, now, now now I'm really rattled, okay? No. <laughs> so he's, he's trying to uh, preach a good sermon and he's trying to, no, anyway. So Daniel is 89 and and he's trying to um, think about what it would mean to go back home. Now he's been in captivity for for a long time. Um, He understands that God has made a promise and that promise is I promise you that you will be brought out of captivity and that those of you that have been in captivity, that you will be brought home. But here's the problem. Daniel's looking around, and he's looking at, at all of the people that he knows. He's looking, uh, he's getting word about what's happening in Jerusalem. He's seeing what's happening with his counterparts in, in Babylon, and he's going like, we are no closer to God than when we first got here. And Daniel is beginning to think that there's no way that that promise can come true. So let's pick up in the story in Daniel chapter nine. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, um, he was a Mede by descent, uh, he was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. We talked a little bit about um, King Darius last week. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scripture. So Daniel, we know that he's reading Scripture. Now, Daniel didn't have a Bible, but Daniel had, had um, uh, papers that he could read. He could have, you know, words of, written by prophets, and he could have words, you know, the words of Moses. So he had access to these things that he could read. It says, according to the word that our Lord had given to Jeremiah the prophet— that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Now this is really important because Daniel finds himself reading the scriptures. What does that say to us? It says that if we're ever wanting to know the answer to a question that we have in life, we don't need to call Dr. Well, I was gonna say Dr. Ruth, I don't wanna go there. You know, we don't have to, <laughs> the way this morning's going, anything could happen. Uh, we, you know, we, we wanna make sure that we go to the right source and that is we want to go to what the scripture says. And as good Methodists, that's where we start. We start with the Scripture. What is it that the Scripture says? Jesus said these words, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it's going to be given to you. So Daniel's worried about this crisis. He's worried about this ability to get back. He's learning from what Jeremiah says. Now we need to remember that Daniel and Jeremiah are contemporaries. Jeremiah was not before Daniel. Daniel was not before Jeremiah. They are contemporaries. Daniel's taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. We've talked about that. Jeremiah is left in Jerusalem. So Jeremiah is living amidst all of the desolation and destruction of everything that's happening there. And and now all of a sudden, Daniel is reading and he's understanding, he's remembering the promise that Jeremiah the prophet is saying, 70 years. So let's get back to the story. This is what the Lord says. So we're going to Jeremiah chapter 29. When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill... My gracious promise. So God is promising to do something. I'm going to bring you back uh, to this place, bring you back to Jerusalem. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, he writes, and I will listen to you. So God says is that when you humble yourself, when you pray, that God will come to you. We need to listen, we need to open our ears to hear that. Now if you've ever been around church, uh, you've probably heard a pastor talk about Jeremiah 29. And in fact, I went kind of was looking back and, and I think since I've been here for nine years, I think uh, 20, uh, four, about four times, Jeremiah 29 has been a focus on a sermon or some sort of sense of Bible study that, I, that I've led here. Now we look at this and we love the words plan to prosper you. We just love that. God's going to prosper us. And we define that in so many other ways. But what we really need to see is it's not about prospering us. It's about what's said next. When you pray, I will hear you and come to you. You You see the significance there. So it's not about prosperity in the way that we define it. It's about a prosperous life in God and the presence of God that comes. Here's another one. We need to focus our attention on God. We need to focus our attention on God. Now this is kinda of where I was going a little bit earlier. I got ahead of myself. Guys, so, so let's get back into that story. Husbands, I can say this because I am one. Listen to your wives when they're talking to you. Um, if you've ever been in a meeting or a conversation with somebody, anybody knows somebody when you're in a conversation they won't make eye contact with you? Anybody ever had that happen? Yeah, it kind of happens sometimes. They kind of look down, or they look over. You know, if you've ever been in a meeting, let's say you're in a meeting with three or four or five people, and all of a sudden you're all in the same meeting, but all of a sudden the person who's speaking is just looking over here and talking to this person. Everybody else is a part of this meeting, and they're just you know blah 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 blah. blah. And it's like you know, wait a minute, you know, I'm in this meeting too. You know, talk to me. So so we learn from Daniel that it's important for us to pay attention to God, to focus our attention. In fact, Daniel would say that that we need to turn our faces toward God. He said, I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him. So it means that we physically do something to change the way in which we are praying and the ways in which we want to seek God. Now here's the important part. Did you know that you can turn your face toward God? You know, we're taught that, that the only way to pray is to close our eyes and we've got them closed so tight and, and we're supposed to fold our hands until our hands are turning red and white and red and white and flashing into purple and, and oh, I'm supposed to pray like this. That's one way you can pray. But there's another way. You can turn your eyes toward God. In fact, we see all throughout Scripture where, where people are looking into the heavens and they're imagining this connection with, with the creator of the universe and the awesomeness of the power as they're looking at creation. And when we turn our eyes to God and we pray, we can say words like, God, I'm here, and God, I'm seeking you, and, and Lord, I, I love you, and, 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 and you bring such joy to my life. And we can, we can show that honor and show that respect to God as we seek God in prayer. The writer of Proverbs says that God says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me are gonna find me. And the writer of Hebrews says that, that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we're called to seek God. We're, we're called to, to not just ignore that. We're, we're called not to be passive, but we're called to seek God. Here's another thing we learned from Daniel in prayer. We're, we're to express our desires with emotion. Um, you know, in our first service every Sunday, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer or we recite a, a creed. And sometimes, and I said this to them this morning, sometimes I just wonder, you know, do we really understand the words that we say in the Lord's Prayer when we pray it? Or are we just firing up a bunch of stuff that we've remembered since childhood? When we pray. I mean, is that, is that what our prayer life is? And we learn from Daniel that, that, that it's, it's the prayer of emotion. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, we're supposed to, like, be dancing in the aisles and, and, and stuff like, well, if you want to, you can do that, but, but, but you know, you're not, you don't have to do that. I mean, David, you know, the king danced naked. I wouldn't promote that we do that in church, but, but, um, but you know, we can be free with our worship. We can be free with our prayer. We can be free with our emotion. And we find out as we, as we look at these things, we find out Daniel says, I began pleading with God earnestly in prayer. He's pleading. And, and the Hebrew word for pleading is bakash. Bakash means that that, that means that I'm on my knees and I'm crying out to God. It means that, that I am, am, am in need of God emotionally and that I, I'm crying in my tears for God's presence to be in my life. And Daniel says that he was down on his knees. He's pleading, God, I want to return home to Jerusalem. I want to fulfill the promise. Uh, I want to see the fulfillment of the promise that you've given to me. But see, here's the challenge. I mean, sometimes we forget how to pray that way. But let me tell you, the last time you prayed a prayer like that, and I know the last time I prayed a prayer like that, was when I was in a lot of pain in my life. Have you ever been in pain? Have you ever had loss in your life? Have you ever had like extreme disappointment that's come? Have you you been in a place where your soul is unsettled? You know, that's when we we pray bakash. That's where we pray, as the Hebrew word says, we pray in openness. I'm fighting a disease for my life or my marriage is in trouble or or I'm gonna lose my job. I'm, I'm pleading with God, I'm pleading with God. And that's the kind of prayer that comes. That's when you pour your heart out to God. That's where, that's where God experiences the brokenness, the reality, the real you. It's not all of this fluffing and mirrors and all these big church words and things like that. And think like, wow, I can pray like John the Baptist, you know, sister or something. No. You're before God and your raw humanness and you're praying. Jeremiah, the other guy uh, at the same time as Daniel, he had predicted that in 70 years after captivity, the people would come back. And here's, here's, uh, here's what he writes. The people of Israel will come, the people of Judah with them, walking and weeping, they'll seek me, their Lord. So he's prophesying on behalf of God. They'll ask directions to Zion. So they'll basically say, you know, where, how do we get back to Jerusalem? You know, the, these are some people that, that have never, ever lived in Jerusalem. How do we get there? And they'll ask directions and they'll set their faces towards Zion, they'll come and they'll hold tight to God. They'll be bound in a covenant eternal and they'll never forget. You know, when God makes a promise, folks, God does not ever break the promise. He doesn't, especially when God makes covenant. Covenant cannot be broken. And God has made a covenant to love you. God has made a covenant to encourage you. God has made a covenant for a life that is filled with with goodness for you. God has covenanted that. Yes, the challenges of the world, the challenges of our life, the decisions that we make, free will, all of that, can pull some of that into question by our own deed. But God has made that covenant. And he's made this covenant to bring the people back. So Jeremiah says that, that we are bound and we should never forget that when we pray, God is with us. You see, Some of us, we need to pray this kind of prayer now. We need, to, we need to be praying bakash, because we are so far away from God, and we need to just rend our heart before the Lord. In those days, they'd put on sackcloth and heap ashes as a sign of just brokenness. You know, some of us, we need, to, we need to pray those kind of prayers for our kids, you know, whether we have little kids or whether we have middle age or, or adult children or, or even older adult children. And I don't say this negatively, folks. If you've got kids, they never go away. I don't mean that in a negative way. You're always their parent, aren't you? You're always gonna love them. You're always gonna help them. You're always gonna take care for them. You're always gonna worry about them, am I right? And, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So we need to pray this kind of prayer for our kids, that they would come back home to God, and that God would would welcome them as the father does in the prodigal son story. Some of us, we need to be praying this kind of prayer, this emotional prayer, crying out to God. We need to be praying for our business that way. We need to be praying for our vocation. We need to be praying for our nation with this kind of emotional plea, for God to heal, to God restore, God to return says, when will this happen? When my people join together in tears. Here's the last part. Thank God for his love and his promise. The scripture says, what you ask for God in prayer, do so with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's not a holiday. It's not like what's this month and we're gonna have turkey and our favorite dishes and all those things. What it says is as a follower of Jesus, our entire life we must learn how to live a life full of gladness a life filled with joy to recognize that, to give thanks to God for the great things and the abundance and to give God thanks even for the cruddy things that happen in our life because God works through that for his good. Daniel says, I pray to the Lord my God and I confess, O Lord, the great awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who who love him and obey his commands. How did Daniel remain unshakable? He was a man of prayer and prayer was his strength.